You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to the Worshipology podcast. This is a podcast for worship teams, worship leaders, and worshipers of Jesus. And uh, today, listen, I'm so pumped because I'm joined by a pastor, author, uh, one of my spiritual fathers, mentors, and friends, all around inspiration, Mark Batterson. Say what's up, man. <laughs> hey, KP, good to be with you. And uh, we, have, we have done a lot of ministry together done a lot of life together. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, maybe about half of the tattoos on your body happened while you were <laughs> on staff at NCC. So, um, man, this is just, it's fun. It's fun because I, I love your heart for worship and you led us and our teams and our campuses in worship for so many years. So, your fingerprints mm. are all over National Community Church, and you know we have this little saying, once a shareholder, always a shareholder. So good good to be on the podcast with you. Oh, man, it's so awesome to have you. Now, I know you're in a crazy busy season, so this is just an honor to have you on here. And uh, I, for those who are just listening to the podcast, whether it's on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening from, we're on Zoom right now, and I'm seeing an office with like a thousand maybe 10,000 books behind you. And uh, I would say probably, you know, most people know you as an author. I know you uh, primarily as my pastor for seven years and really even beyond that, uh, still a huge pastoral voice in my life. But man, just for those as if they didn't know you from your books, uh, just give a little snapshot on, you know, how you got into ministry, how you found your calling to plant and pastor a church and, and how many years is NCC in it now for? Is it, have we hit 30 years yet at National Community? Uh, we're going to blink and we'll be at 30 years. It's uh, 20, 27 years of leading this church. Started with a core group of 19 people. And I, I better pre-story and just say our first attempt at church planning, at the ripe old age of 22, we tried to plant a church <laughs> in the Chicago area, and that church plant just did not get off the ground. It failed. And it was embarrassing at the time, but that's how God got us from Chicago to D.C. And I think the, the valuable lesson that we learned was that uh, the cure for the fear of failure is not success, it's failure in small enough doses that you build up an immunity yeah. to it. And then God dusts you off, picks you up, gives you another chance. And so we moved, uh, packed everything into a 15-foot U-Haul, moved from Chicago to D.C., and we've had the joy of pastoring this church, uh, you know, from the ground up. It was, it was uh, well, I guess I could summarize those first few years as don't despise the day of small beginnings, uh, because mm. there were a few moments we were tempted to quit, KP, but we, and, and, you know, that first year we would have been quitting on 19 people. But the reality wow. is we would have been quitting on tens of thousands of people that we've had the joy of pastoring and influencing over the last 27 years. So you can't ever think present tense. You got to think future tense. It's a cumulative effort. And uh, we're, we're at a fun place, you know, like everybody else. Uh, the uh, 
the pandemic hit DC like every place else. And uh, <laughs> although we had to maybe, shut- Maybe even harder if we're honest. Yeah, we had to shut down for a year and two weeks uh, by DC government wow. mandate. And so, you know, we've taken some bumps and bruises through that, but you, you keep on keeping on and we're in a good place. And, and so, you know, I, I wear this lead pastor hat by day and then, you know, I feel called to write. And so do that typically in the early morning hours. And between those two things keep me pretty busy. Uh, and then, of course, um, married to Laura. Uh, we have been married 30 years. We got married very young. And Let's we go. have uh, yes. three kids in their 20s, including a daughter who's married, which is a ton of fun. Uh, and then, I mean, I guess if if we're going full story, we have a 13-pound cockapoo named Nella who uh, doesn't just wag her tail, wags her body. And uh, and then we do have a grand dog. We have a grand dog named oh, Molly. Okay, okay. So no grandkids. Yes. But, yep. So that's I the it, uh, that's the story. Well, I'd love to just pause you for a second because you brought up something really early on in this conversation, just the idea of overcoming failures. You don't learn from your failures by success. You learn by overcoming failure in small enough doses. And I think for worship teams and worship leaders, musicians, creatives, artists, songwriters, whatever hat that people are listening have on, um, that's a huge deal because, you know, whether it's a set gone wrong, whether it's a song right that never took off, whether it's a moment like I remember at National Community Church during a leadership summit, I had this really cool idea of starting off a song playing through a vocoder, which is a keyboard that you sing through. And I had it turned off. And for about 10 seconds, I was in the middle of the stage singing. No one could hear. The entire <laughs> band is looking at me like I had two heads. Um, but just talk about that for a little bit. Like, how do you not get, um, I guess, stalwarted by your failures, but how do you allow the Holy Spirit, how do you allow God to just let that be, hey, it's okay, there's more for you? Yeah, uh, I would, uh, this may be a question I flip, but, you know, as an author, I don't type on a keyboard. I worship God with 26 letters of the English alphabet. Mm. And so my notes, yeah. KP, are A, B, C, D, E, you know, F, G. I, <laughs> I, I use letters. And, uh, you know, so my hat's off to you because musicians, you know, not only write lyrics, but put them to notes and melodies, which to me is a double art mm. form. Um, but as an author, you, I mean, I've written 24 books but each one, you feel fragile. Like when you first give it to an editor, it's, yeah. it's nerve-wracking. And, and I would also say there's always an it factor. Like whether I'm preaching or writing or you're leading worship, man, we need the Holy Spirit to show up and show off. And there's an it factor there that you can do the, the same worship set uh, in two different spaces at two different places, and you know it can be two totally different experiences, <laughs> which is which is yeah. crazy. Um, but I think that that keeps us humble, and uh, you know, as a writer, and especially as a three on the Enneagram, 
So that that means I'm kind mm. of a you know I'm an achiever. I'm I'm pretty driven, and that means mm-hmm. like you're only as good as your last sermon or your last book, and that's dangerous because not not every book, not every sermon can be your best. So what I've learned to do is to take just a a growth mindset where I, I want to mm. keep expanding my capacity. I want to keep, and, and by the way, as a as a communicator, I'm trying different art forms. I I have lately gone to introducing a lot of messages with just kind of putting putting people in the story, almost third person, where wow. I'm I'm crafting with word pictures a moment in scripture. Um, Typically, I go in with an organizing metaphor, and I'll use history yeah. or science. But I'm, I think, when it comes to worship, how do you, how do you stay fresh? How do you continue trying different things? I mean, it, including you know the moment you tried to sing through the keyboard. I forget the words you used, but yeah. <laughs> Whether you're writing books as you do or writing songs as we do, I mean, you you, you taught us more than I think most pastors I've ever heard say it. You, you would reference the Psalms and say six times throughout the Psalms, David says to sing a new song to the Lord. And what does it say in Psalm 33, verse three? Sing a new song, shout joyfully, play with skill. So those three things are kind of challenges that I daily keep on my radar. Um, you know, how do I get better at playing skillfully? Whether that's learning more about guitar, piano, I'm trying always to be a drummer. In a, in another life, I'm sure I was a drummer. Yes. But playing skillfully is just one of those mandates that I think the musicians that are listening are like, yeah, that's why I have that drive to be excellent. Um, shout joyfully. I think joy is something we need in our worship today more than ever before because there's so many things that will come at our joy. I think there's something about finding joy in chaos, finding joy in the days we live in. And I want to ask you about that. Um, but then that other one, sing a new song to the Lord. That's kind of the the songwriter artist in me. Um, that's just like, man, God is always speaking. Are we always listening? And when we do, do we know how to turn that into a song? Um, but, you know, I, I got to ask you this, like, you know, when I was at NCC National Community Church, I, I came in 2010, I was worship pastor uh, for just about seven years. And one of the things that you taught me as well as our entire staff and our church, how to really just have a value for prayer. and you know, prayer and worship, I mean, it's kind of like peanut butter and jelly, right? Um, I want to hear from you just what's the correlation between prayer and worship? How does one inspire the other? How does one keep us on our knees, keep our hands lifted up? And how have you seen that impact national community? Yeah, well, prayer is a huge part of our story. Uh, and I will, I better backstory this, that you know, it was a 4.7 mile prayer walk, praying a perimeter around Capitol Hill in 1996. Yeah. I, I was reading Joshua 1, 3, I'll give you everywhere you set your foot. And I just felt wow. like we needed to to circle Capitol Hill in prayer. And, and I wasn't praying for property, I was praying for people, but it's no coincidence we own six properties on that prayer circle 27 years later, in, including the yeah. city block that, that we're developing right now. And we're $50 million into it. And, and for the record, we're debt-free. 
And so mir- miracles happen. Wow. If you had told me that 27 years ago, I would say no way. Uh, after going through the pandemic, we, we felt like we got to go back to basics. And so we launched mm. something called House of Prayer. And we do it on Thursday yeah. nights, and it's the best thing we got going on. We've been doing it for about a year, and you know it's not as many people as the weekend. But my my baseline, uh, it, it was 120 people in uh, in an upper room. That's all you need, and we we have more than that on a Thursday night. So don't tell me that revival can't start right there. And so what we do is wow. we come together and we pray and we praise. And I think those two things in tandem uh, create the, the atmosphere. Um, I don't want to go too far off on a tangent, but to me, Acts 13, too, is the turning point in church history. That There's this moment where it says that the church at Antioch, while they were worshiping, this is huge. It was yes. while they were worshiping, Listen, that's where we, that's where the gifts of the spirit function. That's when and where and how miracles happen. That's how we get vision and revelation. While they're worshiping, God says, set apart uh, Paul and Barnabas. And, and so the whole missionary movement comes out of worship. So people, people who think that like worshiping is this internally focused thing, like have not understood the ecclesiology of worship, that when we worship, God begins to turn us outward and movements start coming out of worship environments. And so to me, a house of prayer is a house of praise and a house of praise is a house of prayer and it's the engine. So prayer is how we write history before it happens. Now, those listening to the podcast wow. can't see it, but behind me is uh, an artist at NCC, Chris Logan, painted uh, our House of Prayer painting. And it's wow. it's a cityscape of D.C., but it's upside down. Why? Because that's exactly how we're going to turn the city upside down, through prayer. And so it's wow. about 60 to, to 75 minutes where... You know, it's it's this combination of just we worship and it elevates our faith and we pray and we intercede and we contend and we go to the altar and we just, and by the way, I go into that night intentionally without any preparation of any kind of message whatsoever. It's always a wow. rhema word. And so there's always a moment in worship or at the altar that we just get a get a word from God. And it's really fun. It's kind of like our Pentecostal playground. It's sort of like we we, yes. we have fun. And, and so I'll share one more thing about that night because you mentioned joy. And to me, worship, part of worship is unleashing and unlocking joy. And uh, it was John, John Piper said, um, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And so the chief yeah. end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So worship ought to produce so much joy that it, that it flows over. So a week ago, uh, someone I had just met walked into House of Prayer. And when they walked in, they had like a visceral reaction, like physically. Mm. And they said, I feel like I was just stabbed by joy. And I didn't wow. catch, I didn't catch the illusion. 
but that's what what Lee, that's how C.S. Lewis talked about joy. There was a moment in his childhood where he said he was stabbed by joy. And so wouldn't it be amazing? In fact, right now, KP, I'm just praying in my spirit for everybody listening to this podcast. May God anoint Mm. us with an anointing of joy. May our worship almost feel like stabbing people with joy, just unlocking and unleashing joy. And uh, and so- that that's kind of the short version of of what's happening with uh, with House of Prayer, man. And it's so inspiring to see that because there is a hunger. As I've had these podcasts and different guests around the country on, one thing I can tell you is there is a rising hunger for a move of God right now. I think it comes on the wings of just being so desperate. And if we stay in that place of desperation. Uh, We're going to see a move of God. As you love to say, we're going to see God show up and show off. And I think the this this resurgence of joy is so key in that revival. I mean, let there be a revival of joy. And uh, you know, you quoted C.S. Lewis. I'm going to quote him right back to you. There's this moment where he he talks about in his book, Reflections on the Psalms. He unpacks praise a little bit and he says, praise doesn't merely express enjoyment, it completes it. Like until we express praise, until we speak out praise, the joy cannot be complete. And there's something that happens in our worship and in our praising God where it's like the words that we utter, the praise and the songs that we sing complete that act of joy. And it's just powerful, man. Like, wow. I want to ask you this question because I think part of it is in what you just said, but how do you shepherd a culture of worship? that you're seeing at NCC. Um, I mean, I got to experience it firsthand for seven years. I get to see it now, uh, cheering you guys on in the capital city. But talk about that a little bit. What does a culture of worship look like? And as a lead pastor, how do you shepherd that? Yeah, well, I, I well, here's the irony. You know, I did lead worship for about two minutes in our early <laughs> yeah. history, and and I don't have a I don't have a great voice, and I have worse rhythm. So we we chuckle about it now, but I'm grateful for it because I've always seen myself not just as the lead pastor, but as the lead worshiper. And so wow. I I may not be the the person singing on stage. But people are going to see me and my physical demonstration of praise. Like I, and I would even say I always want to be the first one at the altar. I want to set the tone, set the example. Um, and so, like, I think my first ministry is to the Lord. So our horizontal wow. ministry to other people will only be as effective as our vertical ministry to the Lord. And worship is the way that we minister to the Lord. It's the way we give him, uh, as our uh, former pastor of prayer, Heidi Scanlon, uh, says all the time, we, we give God our full affection and our full attention. And when yeah. we do that, when we have this vertical ministry to the Lord, it just unlocks the horizontal ministry. Yeah. And I, I even believe, I mean, this might be going on a tangent, um, but to me, like I always envision our our goal is first Corinthians 14, 25, that when people walk in, like we're, we're 
we're as imperfect as any church and I'm as imperfect as any pastor. Like, you know, every church is a little dysfunctional, but when people walk in, it, it says that they, they said, God is really among them. In, in other words, we want wow. this undeniable, unmistakable uh, presence of God that can only be produced by worship and it ought to accumulate over time. Like, Remember, you uh, you used to do worship retreats at our lake house, yeah. and yeah, and I always thank you. You would thank me for letting you use it, and I would say no, it's amazing. Thank you because mm. we want to get worship in the walls. We want worship to absorb wow. in the walls, and so even in a sanctuary, what's beautiful is like we are accumulating worship. And as we do that, you know, just a, a little reminder, I mean, I'm singing to the choir, pun intended, that when we worship, the reason why it's powerful is that we're mirroring what's happening in heaven. The angels, elders, yeah. living creatures constantly singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so when we yeah. worship, now we harmonize with heaven. And that's why heaven then invades wow. earth. That's why the miracles happen. That's why that's why the gifts are unleashed. So to me, like worship, worship and prayer are the the ceiling. They're the rafters that the only limit on what God can accomplish in a church is how deep, how far we're willing to go in prayer and in praise. Wow. One of the things I love about you and I loved in our time in doing ministry together was that there wasn't this idea that worship is just a warm up to the message. You would say this often from the platform that worship is the message. Talk about that a little bit, because I love how you unpack that into three, like a message to the Lord, to ourselves and to the enemy. That's like one of my favorite things uh, that you lean into with worship. Yeah, well, and of course, we're really focused on on worship going into a message and worship coming out of. So I would yeah. say it's like a virtuous cycle that it's worship that prepares the heart to hear the word, but then it's the word that prepares the heart to worship. So if we're really wow. going to worship in spirit and in truth, that's how you create this merry-go-round of then the two just keep elevating each other. So I, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but you know the the goal is is an encounter with God that that impacts us that marks us that changes us that benchmarks us and and so mm -hmm. like i just yeah you know hey one one fun thing we did a couple of weeks ago and just uh yeah. here here's here's a free 99 idea <laughs> uh, for any any pastor worship pastoring we did this at House of Prayer. I had this prompting that I got up and said, is, is there anybody here who speaks a language other than English? I said, English is not enough right now. We need other languages to pray and praise God. Wow. And people started coming to the microphones, which we set up kind of in the middle of our of our auditorium during House of Prayer. And people, KP, people started praying in different languages. I have no idea wow. what they prayed, but it was like it 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 was like oh for a thousand tongues to sing. Um, it wow. was a powerful moment. So I think 
finding those new expressions, new ways of stretching people to to pray and to praise. Um, let, let's keep doing more of that. Well, there's a few verses in Scripture that you know we've unpacked together throughout the years, and one of those that comes to mind is just Philippians two. You know, where I think it's in verse 10, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess the name of Jesus, the name above every name. And that's a beautiful picture of worship. And what you guys probably experienced there is the tribes and tongues all just proclaiming the name of Jesus. And I think it's something that's really unique and cool about Washington, D.C., National Community Church in particular, is that you would say this often, it's a melting pot. You could have different cultures rubbing shoulder, different anointings rubbing shoulders. Talk about the beauty in that, that it's not just diversity, it's unity in diversity that really is the kingdom of God at work. And what is something that like in the in the language, in the culture of worship that you're seeing right now? We're, we're maybe, I don't know if we're missing it, but maybe there's another level of that unity and diversity that we can go to as the body of Christ. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things we say pretty frequently is it's not about the name over the church door. It's about the name yeah. above all names. And so to, to cite that reference that uh, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Can I make one in interpretation of that verse that I think is so critical. Please. It's not a threat, it's a promise. It's not a th- I think some people like leverage that wow. as some kind of like in your face threat and I don't think that's the heart behind it. I just think there's going to be this moment of ultimate revelation and recognition that you won't be able to stay on your feet. You're going to hit your knees. And wow. and it's a promise. It's one of the most beautiful promises in Scripture. And sometimes when you take a promise and make it threatening, uh, it just misses, it might get the letter of the law, but it misses the spirit of the law. And so I, I just, I had that little revelation a while back, wow. and, and I think that's important. So, um, and now I forgot the original question. <laughs> <laughs> well, just you know, in, in the in the in the grand culture of you know, we're writing songs. We're really, I mean, more albums come out today than ever before. Yes. It's like every Friday you see a thousand different records and songs drop and videos dropping. And we're, I mean, you would say this often too, is that we're educated beyond our level of obedience. And I think in the worship culture, oftentimes we get so. Uh, hung up on making it that we're missing certain things that God really calls us into. One of those is this every knee will bow, every tongue confess. It's a beautiful opportunity that we can live out here on earth as it is in heaven. What are we maybe so obviously missing, Pastor Mark? Yeah. Well, I think the obvious thing that we're missing is that we use our voices to sing but we use our hearts to worship. So um, there's a big difference. And, and let's not just sing it. Let's declare it. Let's, let's prophesy our praise. It's very different when a congregation hits a point where they're not just singing um, Great is our, Thy Faithfulness, which is an amazing song. And by the way, when we yeah. sing it, 
everybody is singing a unique song because God's faithfulness to you is unlike anybody else. And so uh, you you yep. know our, our drill at NCC never has been, never will be anyone like you, not a testament to you, a testament to the God who created you. Significance of that is this, that no one can worship God like you. And so use, use wow. your voice, but let's prophesy our praise. And so I think we need to to worship with a little bit more authority. Um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, there are some songs that leverage that. Um, the, the Blessing is a song that is not, it, it's, there's something about it that you're pronouncing blessing when you sing it. Or, or yeah. we speak Jesus. There's something about it that you are declaring a name. And, and so I think writing songs that allow us to exercise our spiritual authority, we, we probably need a few more of those. But what, one thing I would wow. say is that, you know, and, and let's be honest, this is true of a lot of books and a lot of songs, that if you read one or hear one, you've read them all or heard them all. Like it's, they're, they're <laughs> a little monotone. And I just think we can do better with language. I love songs that wow. paint pictures. I love songs that, and books that, and you know, as a communicator, my objective is to say old things in new ways. So you can call yeah. a year a year, but really what it is, is a trip around the sun. Oh, and, and so by good. the way, uh, you're on a planet, you're on a merry-go-round that's spinning a thousand miles an hour, that's traveling 67,000 miles per hour through space. So even on a day you didn't get much done, you did travel 1.6 <laughs> million miles through through space. So what I, I guess I'm, I'm having a little bit of fun there, but I'm challenging us as wordsmiths to find ways to just tweak the language so that people's synapses fire in a different way. And, and that's not easy, wow. but I, I sometimes will spend half an hour in the thesaurus looking for the right word because, and, wow. and it's usually a word that's not overused. We have so many words that are overused. Um, and sometimes it's just juxtaposing two words. Like one of my favorite quotes is in Albert Einstein. He said, never lose a holy curiosity. Well, I love the juxtaposition mm. of those two ideas. Um, by by yeah. the way, I don't think this has much to do with with worship, but it has everything to do with parenting. Um, cultivate a non-anxious curiosity towards your kids. I'm just going to throw that yeah. out there. And yeah. o- otherwise, yeah. if you're all anxious about your kids, they're going to absorb that anxiety. Whereas, and this is someone who is still in counseling, trying to figure out how to be the best dad possible, the kids who are in their 20s. And one of the big things Laura and I are learning right now, and this is not just our kids, it's everybody I encounter, including people that are not nice to me. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I want to have a non-anxious curiosity. Where's that coming from? And uh, wow. so I don't know why, just wanted to drop that in there. So holy curiosity and non-anxious curiosity are are two pretty powerful and important things. I love that because, you know, right now I'm doing a lot of research. I'm about to preach a message that's about overcoming cynicism with optimism. And I think curiosity is a huge part 
of how not to have such a cynical and skeptic heart. And we need that today now more than ever. And, and, and that could be the perfect segue to go to your book that you just released. Um, just finished reading it last week. I got to say, it's my favorite book of the year so far. And in your book, you reference Unoffendable, which I just finished today uh, by Brant Hansen. But man, please, sorry, thanks. What a gift to the body of Christ. And if you're listening and you're needing some books on your summer list, you got to put this one on there, especially reading it from the heart of a worshiper. Um, please, sorry, and thanks. Probably three of the most needed words in our worship language to God. But unpack a little bit for us the heart behind writing that book um, and how it could pertain to our attitude in worship towards God. Yeah. Well, the the simplest um, introduction to the book is that words create worlds. In other words, wow. the power of life and death is in the tongue. So our words will... Uh, create powerful realities. Now, linguists call it the constructive conception of language, that we don't use our words to uh, to represent the world objectively. We use our words to create the world subjectively. Just think about how important wow. worship is in that context. Worship is creating worlds. And and by the way, it's creating worlds of joy, as we've talked about. It's creating worlds of gratitude. It's creating worlds of glory. And so words create worlds. And so in the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, I, I we could talk about that all day, but then there are three wow. words, please, sorry, thanks, that your, your proficiency at those three words, I think are the greatest predictor of success in life, in love, and in leadership. And you may say, ah, that sounds like an oversimplification. Well, listen, a PhD is great, and that may get you in the door, but it's PST, it's please, sorry, thanks, that's going to get you the promotion, that's going to help you win friends and influence people, that's going to help your marriage become a healthier marriage. It's going to help the culture at work become the kind of culture that it needs to be. And so I, I really think um, these three words are have to become a lifestyle because they're only as effective as they are authentic. And, and so wow. really seeing them as an art and science is what I write about in the book. And so it's the psychology of please uh, the science of sorry and the theology of thanks. Man, and, and the book was just so good for me. I mean, Sarah and I, we've been married going on 18 years this summer. And uh, those three words, man, I think in a marriage in with your kids, uh, but especially in our relationship with God, I mean, and I'm thinking about songs like Gratitude by Brandon Lake. I'm, sing- I'm thinking about songs like The Heart of Worship by Matt Redman. I'm thinking of all of these songs where essentially when you boil it down, you're you're either saying, Lord, I'm sorry. It's a it's a it's that psalm of repentance, or it's God, thank you. It's that psalm of gratitude, or even you know, there's times when you're just 
desperate for the Lord to move in your life. And it's that maybe a new Psalm of please. And I, I think that's just an awesome challenge for every believer, but especially in, in the worship world, uh, musicians and artists and creatives and, and worship teams and worship leaders to keep those three words on the forefront. What's the challenge that you would issue a, as you've written that book to those who may be listening to this podcast? Yeah, let's just riff for a second. Everybody listening, yeah. just take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and then let it out. We breathe about every four seconds. And so about 21,600 breaths every single day. With every single breath, we inhale about 12.5 sextillion molecules. Now that's more sand than all the sand on all the seashores on earth which is pretty profound. Wow. So when you inhale that oxygen, here's what happens. And, and the guy talking to you is someone that had severe asthma for 40 years. And then on July 2nd, 2016, prayed a bold prayer. God healed my lungs. I have not touched an inhaler from that day to this day. By the way, it was the next week when we were Amazing. singing, uh, Great is Our God, It's Your Breath in My Lungs, that dropped me to my knees in wow. worship. Um so we have about 260 trillion red blood cells running through our veins. And each one of those red blood cells has about 250 million protein called hemoglobin. When we inhale oxygen, it attaches to the hemoglobin. And, and then, by the way, it goes through 60,000 uh, miles of veins and arteries and capillaries and that hemoglobin <laughs> delivers oxygen to all the cells of the body. Uh, all of that to say this, when was the last time you thanked God for hemoglobin? Probably never, wow. because we don't yeah. stop and think about it. Now, just take this simple idea, and the very last verse in Psalm 150, verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Like, the only excuse we need to worship is the last breath we took four seconds ago. So I, wow. I think when we talk about worship, I, I think it's it's learning to, I don't know, KP, it's learning to just appreciate. Well, here's the problem with God. I'll let that just hang out there for a second. <laughs> the problem with God is that God is so good at what God does that we take it for granted. Um, wow. The, the, the sunlight that we enjoy right now is a result of a nuclear reaction that took place eight minutes and 20 seconds ago, 93 million miles away. Every second that the sun, it's the energy equivalent of a trillion megaton bombs. And we never give wow. it a second thought. But the way that the sun then and that light is the basis of everything. And, and I write a little bit about that in the book, so I won't, I won't uh, spend my breath talking about it. But to me, <laughs> worship, worship is finding new ways to think and, and new ways to see. And, and then living wow. out of the gratitude of those things in a way that then that gratitude just fuels this authentic worship for who God is and what, what God does. Well, we're going to put a link to the book, Please Sorry Thanks, in our show notes, so make sure you pick that up, and it is 
not only inspiring, but it really just challenged the way you live your life every single day. Those three words, uh, more than just three words, I think they're uh, three mantras and three ways to live. So good. Uh, Well, hey, Pastor Mark, I want to ask you one more question. This is something I've been asking everybody on the podcast this year. Um, What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Uh, Personally, maybe it's something for the body of Christ at large, but yeah, I just know that you are somebody that you're always um, intentional about being in tune with the Holy Spirit. Love to hear what the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. Yeah, so many promptings lately. It's almost on a daily basis. I'll I'll sometimes the Holy Spirit will wake me up and in that place between sleep and consciousness, I'll just get a word for the day. And I do not take wow. that for granted. Um, so it's yeah. really, it's really hard for me to isolate a singular answer. I might go macroscopic and just say anything less than spirit-led and spirit-filled is dead religion. It's just not going to get us where we need to go. And so uh, I think I have a growing uh, appreciation for the Holy Spirit. I I love God the Father. I love God the Son. His name is Jesus. But I love God the Spirit. Elohim Ruach, Ruach Elohim, the yes. God who who hovers, the God who animates, the God who gifts, the God who is our paraclete, our comforter, our, our counselor. And so I, I just have a growing recognition that without the Holy Spirit, I'm below average. And with the help of the Holy mm. Spirit, all things are possible. So, you know, I wow. think the big answer is, you know— um, just any good things that are happening are happening because the Holy Spirit is moving and working. And ironically, we're in a series right now called uh, Come Holy Spirit. And so that three-word prayer is so powerful. Just yeah. come Holy Spirit. And uh, mm. and I'm just really grateful. And KP, can I just say for the record, um, you're one of my favorite people on the planet uh, we we ah. love we love you, your family. Uh, we are uh, forever connected in terms of ministry, and just it's fun because you have helped me become uh, a bigger, better worshiper because of your influence in my life, and I'm eternally wow. grateful for that. And uh, fun to be able to just hop on and have a a fun conversation and let a few people eavesdrop on it. Well, I hope you know this from the bottom of my heart. The feeling is mutual, uh, spiritual father, spiritual mentor, pastor, your voice in my life has changed my life. And, uh, I'm just grateful for you. Thanks for spending some time with us today on worshipology. Hey, my joy and privilege. And we'll talk soon. You've been listening to worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.